Good afternoon. It's Lee. And what's in a lot of people's head this time of year is moving. So thank you for joining In Your Head with Lee Richardson. And as a guest today, I have a really special lady. And I don't know, I consider her to be a real estate agent, but sometimes I think she plays a dual role as a counselor and a therapist. And Kathy Murray has been in real estate for a little over 15 years. She and her partner, the partner group is Pillins and Murray, were number one in 2019 in the Dallas office, and they were number eight company-wide. So there's no doubt about it. She knows her real estate. Thank you, Lee. You're so sweet. Yeah, Julie and I, uh, Julie Pillins and I work for uh, Ebby Holiday Realtor. We're part of Home Services of America, which is uh, Warren Buffett. We are actually the largest broker in North Texas, and we both consider ourselves, um, I think, real estate counselors in a way. And, and that's so funny that you said that because I always say I now have a professional amateur um, degree, <laughs> but I love this job, so it's, it's all good. Well, I think you, you almost have to have that, you know, that dual skill set because the psychology of moving is so intensely emotional and complex. I mean, when I hear people say they're moving, I'm thinking, well, are they, some people move for a better deal. Some people move for better space. Some people move for a better neighborhood, better schools for their kids. Um, but no matter what, some people move because of a divorce or a death in the family or an aging parent. But regardless of the why you move, it is so emotional. And I'm sure you could, I'm sure you could tell stories all day long about that. But what do you see really as the, the most emotional part of it? Is it saying goodbye? Is it saying hello to a new home? Well, yeah, I, I mean, there. I think for everybody, it's very individual. And um, I, my job really as an agent is kind of keep the focus on what they told me their original reason is for moving. Because I think even though you do try to prepare someone that they may feel like this, and that this does not necessarily go for a real estate investor client, which I also have, but this is pretty much for everybody else. Um, a lot of people do, do have control on it, but a lot of people do look, uh, lose sight of what their end reason was for, for moving. And my job is to kind of catch them from A to Z. It is very emotional. I, I think when people get a little lost in that, I try to remember that for whatever reason, it's going to offer them a new beginning, um, you know, and try to kind of keep them focused on the positive uh, reasons that this may be a good thing based on what they shared with me. And, and I didn't realize either um, getting into this business, how um, up close and personal you really got with people. A lot of people have remained um, friends and you become friends with them. And, um, you know, it's really a wonderful job for that reason, but there are so many reasons uh, that people move. As long as people understand that we're their advocates and not their adversary and can share with us openly and not share their solution, but more of what they need, we can probably help them with things they haven't even thought of that could be options for them, if that makes sense. That does make sense. And what I hear you say is, you know, you also kind of play the role of problem solver. Tell us what your okay. needs are. 
Don't tell us where you want to be at the end of the road. Tell us what your needs are and let us help you get those needs met. Totally right. That's that's totally right. Um, we, yeah, because, you know, somebody might not know. It's what, we do this full time. This is day in, day out. We do. I've done hundreds and hundreds of transactions. I mean, maybe a thousand by now. I have no idea. But I will tell you that. We, it's really hard to surprise us, so you're, you know, and, um, and you know, it's, a lot of people may have a particular thing. You're really trying to help people narrow down. Real estate is a process of elimination, um, really. You know what I mean? You're, you're never going to get 100% of what you think you're going to want in your new house, your new apartment. But, you know, we try to help people narrow down what's really important. And at the end of the day, it is their decision. It is their move. It is their house that they're selling. It's They're going to have the final say, but we are just here to really stay emotionally uh, involved with them as much as they need, but also distant enough to not let them lose sight of their own uh, given objections. And, of course, people change their mind as they go along. That's welcome, too. Most people are open to this kind of arrangement uh, that are not investors, so it usually will work out. Well, you know, I would imagine 2019, I remember the, the Dallas market, it was pretty hot. And 2020, oh, yeah. it's it's a different market. And I'm sure in 2021, it'll even be a, a different market. So how do you, there's so many factors and things that you have to stay on top of, it sounds like. Oh, yeah, there's a lot to this. Um, that's not really apparent to people either. I mean, a lot of people will say, well, I found it on the Internet. I found the house. You know, well, yeah, I know. It's trying to get – you really have to – it's great when you're working with another uh, agent professional that's representing the other side of the transaction um, because people are so emotional on both sides of the deal. And you really do have an ear to the market. You you. Uh, constantly you get we get we get a sense of what's going on we share information we network with each other in terms of is this happening to you is it are you noticing that no one is looking or is everybody all of a sudden want a two-bedroom home in a certain part of dallas or whatever and um you know we we find out we we get the trend when the the National Association of Realtors or Texas A and M, who pretty much reports for the whole country, gets these statistics, it's really six weeks, eight weeks after we have sensed this. You know, when people get to read about it and see this, and you know, we're a non-disclosure state. So in the state of Texas, if you really want to know what something sold for, you have to talk to an agent. It's not published. You know, it's, you can't just go by the sign in the yard. You know, and, and I've, I have bought and sold homes before. And, and one thing I always felt like I was at the mercy of the market conditions. And, and I always felt like, you know, it's just am I going to get lucky with the market conditions? How does that factor into to you as a real estate agent? Well, we like again, uh, we do just really have to listen to the market, explain the market tell people what their options are during the market. Um, you know, usually if the market is slow and it's a great time to buy, if somebody has a house to sell, it may not be the right time to sell. You know, so, you know, it, it's, it's 
in a way, I feel like it's a little bit like stock. You know, you if, if you sell when the stock is low, if your house goes down in value, as long as you're not selling at that time, you're okay. If you're buying at that time, it's a great deal. Maybe you're coming from an apartment. Maybe you're moving from out of state. Um, sometimes some out-of-state people are shocked by the cost, for example, in Texas, if they're from Kentucky or Iowa. But if they're from California, they're like, I'll take two. So, you know, I mean, it just depends on all of that. So it's really, again, you have to have a um, an advocacy relationship with the agent, and it's a very serve, service job. And you need to share all that information. And at the end of the day, it's up to the seller or buyer. And we we offer different options for them. And it's their decision. Does that make sense? It does. And, you know, I I remember hearing a story about a, uh, a guy in New York, New York City, and he had bought his condo uh, was part of a co-op, actually, as an investment. And it ended up he lost his job and he needed to sell. But it was great because he had bought it as an investment and it gave, you know, he could double, almost double what he paid for it. And he wanted to do that and invest that in his own production company. And the co-op board had to approve every offer, and he was denied three offers. And, he, you know, I remember reading the story and reading him saying, you know, I don't feel like I'm never going to be able to leave here. And it's a good thing I haven't had to go down on the street and sell pencils um, that I have been able to continue paying for it. But he felt like that he just had no control of the situation. And I guess, you know, that's New York City. Is it that diverse across the United States? Oh, sure. You you have HOAs and co-op boards, from what I understand, are notorious. We don't really have co-ops in, in Dallas, Texas. But um, uh, okay, I think my – hang on. Um, yeah, we have um, – we definitely have situations where uh, that is the case. And really, that's up to why you want to have one of the many reasons why you want a professional full-time realtor in your corner. And the more experience, the better in many cases, is because up front, when that person, if he bought it directly, then he would have had to do all this due diligence himself. But a realtor should have pointed out, as an investor, he needs to consider that the co-op must approve. You know, when the markets are good, people think uh, it's great. Let me go buy on a busy street or let me buy in a co-op. And and in this case, it sounds like it did double. So it was a good investment for him. But the strategy upon exit, either he minimized the impact. No one told him at any rate he would have gotten those documents to thoroughly review and could, you know, involve an attorney when they're complicated like that, uh, to even, you know, assess that investment to begin with. It's just tougher. But I will give you an example. Uh, During the last market downturn, I had um, really better really convinced my sellers that um, really could wait to become landlords. When the market goes down often for, um, at least at that period, 2008 through uh, 10 or 11, when the market went down for, purchase, it really did go up for people who wanted to lease. And so lease rates went up and it's just, again, like a stock, you know, it's when you sell that makes a difference. So they held on 
Most of them were reluctant landlords, but um, they were very, very happy. We didn't know when that market would end, but when it did end, uh, they both made a lot more money and they were fine. You know, and these were people that that was their personal home and they relocated. One got married. She moved into another house. They put a house together. The other one had a job change, moved out of state. And they just became involuntary landlords for three years, but it all worked out at the end. Well, you know, you make a really good point because I can remember the very, the very first home that that we bought, and we I got married in September, um, moved to that Thanksgiving, went to Connecticut and found a home, worked with a real estate agent, and he was quite experienced. And I'll never remember we were down in the basement, and he said he got down on his hands and knees, and he crawled over and he was looking at something. He said, "Look at this," and I'm like, "I." What am I looking at? And that was a real, you know, a a huge sign to him about the structure of the home. And I thought, Ben, we don't have basements in Texas. If I hadn't had somebody that knew to get down in the basement and crawl around on their hands and their knees, that might not have been a really good experience for me. Because homes in Connecticut, even if they're starter homes, they're pretty expensive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Well, and that and that is the thing. I mean, when people are emotional, I mean, I, I have a funny story where I and this this happens more than you think. But I had someone they weren't narrowed down on choice at all. And it was a couple and they really just wanted to make sure they could fit a nine foot credenza in either the living room or dining room. And that was their big requirement. So that was really bad. So we real I really have to urge them to kind of narrow down an area. And a lot of times I'll suggest they drive around, you know, go talk, whatever. Well, we start looking at houses and, you know, they fall in love with one in some neighborhood that's going to be an enormous commute. And additionally, it looked like HCTV had been in there. But I noticed I'm not looking at that kind of thing. I'm not as emotionally involved. I noticed the cracks. I notice that, you know, there could be foundation or notice what's wrong. You know, I'm not looking at the property emotionally, and a good agent really wouldn't. Um, Often you hear people say, I want to go in real estate. I love looking at houses, you know, and that's really not about that. It really is about what happened with your agent pointing out to you. But that's why you also encourage an inspection. Everybody should get an independent inspector a third party uh, with credentials that can also share with them. I mean, it's it's not a new home, so you can't expect it to be perfect, but you want to know what kind of liabilities you may be taking on and, um, you know, what you're, you know, what you're taking on. That's all, you know, so it sounds like yours wasn't new in Connecticut. Is that right? No, it wasn't. It wasn't at all. But it did turn out to be, you know, the first home we had there did turn out to be a good home because we made the proper selection criteria. Um, Right. Were you looking at schools and, you know, you you may have a a place where you could walk or close to park if you have kids. There's all sorts of factors that go into it and also taxes, you know, everything. Well, you know, and from a counselor's standpoint, I look at, I love the psychology of moving because there's so many underlying psychological issues, you know, the, that's involved with moving. There's, it's filled with symbolism. It's, there's hope and new beginnings. And you mentioned that earlier. And then there's some disappointment at what you're leaving behind. And there's, with a lot of people that haven't moved, 
it's been my experience, there's a tremendous amount of fear and anxiety. Oh, yeah. I lo- yes. It's, um, you know, I, I, and you're right. I see all types of people. I see people that are real excited for their next move, and they're really looking forward to it. But they're probably people who are easier with change. I have had some, some clients that are very much um, – they, you know, they're very much living in the past. And until they get into their new place and really allow themselves to experience what's good. And, you know, I'm always following up with people. Well, what do you like? You know, trying to focus on what's there. It is hard. I mean, it, it really is just brick and mortar. People still have their memories, hopefully. Um, and, you know, the good memories. And um, But, you know, I, I, I see it the same way. It's often a very exciting opportunity um, for um, for someone. Well, but, you know, and then I think back of my moving experiences and I think of packing. Uh, and, and unpacking, I was it was easier for me, but packing was, you know, you got to sort through everything. And, and I, I imagine somebody that's maybe going through a divorce and, and you're sorting through your life belongings. I mean, that could be gut-wrenching. It wasn't for me, but for many people, I think that could be a very emotional, overwhelming experience. Oh, my God. I know. I can personally attest to that. Um, You know, I hired people, and I just had to adopt a philosophy. Um, I, I moved last year. And I had been in my other place for 22 years. I mean, I had a lot of stuff. I had stuff I forgot about. Um, and, you know, I just had to adopt a philosophy that um, I had to just throw things out, give things away, pay people to help me pack, pay people to help me unpack. I, I, that's not my strength, you know, anyway. And um, I always remind people if they can afford it, do it. And if not, it is a very, very liberating feeling, though, because these things really do trap people. You know, they have to be maintained. They have to be moved. They have to be dusted. They have to be stored in the corner of a closet among the things you don't remember you have. And in the back of your mind, they live there in the recesses. And in my opinion, and this is my, you know, professional amateur (laughs) degree, I just think it bogs people down. And I, as a realtor, I can only coach them and give them ideas of who maybe can help, maybe share some of my personal experience, share the experiences of others. And, you know, some people work very well with deadlines, some don't, some just plow through, and then they get to the next place and go, oh, what happened? Where am I? But you're right. It is hard, especially when people are empty nesters often, and they're moving uh, because the kids are out, and now they want to, they're not bound to an area or in the suburbs, they may want urban or more out at a farm or a lake. You know, you see that, and that's when um, that's when reality hits a lot. But it also is liberating, I think, for most people at the end. Who remembers what they have in that box they haven't unpacked for 20 years? And who still needs it? But, you know, packing has changed because you used to, every time I've moved, you know, the moving truck pulls up and you've got to be packed and ready to roll or they'll help you get that way. But now you can get these storage units and you can take six months to pack if you're that type of person that wants to go through every box and see everything. That's right. 
you do, you know, that, that is an option for me. That would be extremely painful, um, for it to go that long, but everybody, I think their personality impacts their approach to moving in a very big way. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, that's, that is an option. I am just not, I, I'm so afraid of storage because I have represented people who tell me they have two storage units and they have things in there for the last 20 years, you know, or less 10 years, 20 is pretty long or eight years. It's not what they intended. Whatever they had in that there is now whatever the cost was, you know, what it's really worth plus whatever the cost of the storage unit. But it is definitely something I do recommend as an option. And if they are good about getting it out, it just can be a trap. And, but when, I'm walking into a house and someone is moving anyway, and they have a lot of stuff. Um, we do hire a professional stager to give a consultation, but one of the first things Julie and I will say is, you know, you're going to be moving anyway. People really can't see. It, it lets us more in photos and, and even in the house, you know, what they're really buying because you have so much stuff. They really need to be able to see the floors. They really need to see the walls. They need to really... Uh, minimize that space and it's a great thing to try to get someone to go put it in storage for a while they're moving anyway that can be the, be the beginning of their packing well and, and if you can put it in storage for a while maybe that's the first way you say goodbye you get it out of the I, house well, yeah you're, you would know I, it's a great idea yeah i totally agree i mean yeah that's how Mm -hmm. I had a client that moved for his company for 17 years overseas. He lived in Dallas, and he originally was from Boston, and he was the son of antique dealers and collectors. And um, he had to rent a third storage unit after – but he was on expenses when he was overseas. But he had to rent a third storage unit um, and go to Boston after all those years and take out what was in the two storage units, decide what it was they were going to keep and sell and move it to the third because he really could not remember. <laughs> it was funny. I think that's when you have too much stuff. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, they were in the business of stuff, you know, so yeah. his family was anyway. Well, and then and you buy it and you think, oh, you know, in a year from now, I, I, that will be a, a perfect in this solution. And then a year rolls around and it's not. And oh, so you just God. kind of well tuck that away in your brain. And and then when you finally do have to come to time, you do have to deal with all of it. It's very anxiety producing. It's very overwhelming. It's very frustrating. Let me ask you, since you're the professional, do you think it's because it's representing more things to people than what it really is? It's not just the object. It's really what it represents, right? Well, there's memories attached with everything, and that's that's an interesting question because, you know, I've looked at different studies on how it impacts people that move because some people have moved a lot in their life, and you know, they've, they've lived in many different places. They've grown up and they, they moved around. And there was research done by the American Journal of Preventative Medicine that showed people that had moved a lot growing up, they had more inclination towards substance abuse, um, early death, increased risk of suicide, 
So there's, there is, you know, we have looked at this from a research standpoint. And a lot of times people that move frequently and they kind of get into the hang of it and it kind of, yeah. it, it gets easier, but there's research that suggests that it's easier for those people when they move to leave a relationship behind, just like they're leaving, you know, physical possessions behind, you know, does that make them think of things as being more disposable? Um, and then what you were talking about with memory, I saw, uh, some research that said people are more likely to remember events that occur when they're moving. And I thought that was interesting. Um, they're very, they're very in tune to what's going on during the move. So mm-hmm. there's certainly moving has a huge impact on everyone. I think of every age. And I think that when you think about a kid moving and they say that middle school is one of the toughest ages. And I can imagine when I think of middle school, I think of seventh grade. Oof. Oof. Seventh grade's <laughs> tough anyway. You know? Yeah. But, and, you know, I can't, I'll say this too. It's not, it's, it's also past. I mean, I can't tell you how many people have contacted me. They're usually young. They live in a high rise. It may be an apartment. It may be a condo. Now they have a dog. And all of a sudden, it's really a pain in the neck. Even if they're in a three story townhome, they may want to now move slightly into a small house with a backyard. So, you know, that makes in addition to all the family members, you have the pet motivator too. Oh, pets are a huge motivator, you know, particularly if you've got a huge dog that you have learned the hard way needs some outdoor space and you have to take that into consideration. So Uh, it's a big driver. Right. There is so much, there is so much to consider when taking a move and so many different factors. And it really does become easier to understand how those psychological influences come into play and what you really need to think about as you think about moving. And certainly we all want bigger and better and that's why we want to move. But we also need to think about how much time do we need to put into that? Do we need to plan it? Do we need to organize it? Or because some people's nature is they just sit back, they let it happen. And and then when it happens, they get really, really overreactive to it. So that's something, you know, to think about. And I know that you help people in every way. the time this show is over, you'll blink at least 30 times. The average person normally blinks about 20 times per minute or 17,000 times a day. A faster rate usually indicates anxiety or emotional stress. What's the word for someone who blinks a lot? A squintifigo. FBI agents have identified a specific type of blink that they directly associate with gamer staying. That's a person who tends toward deception and fraud. Attorneys, also known as pedophoggers, look for blinking when they have people on the stand. The eyelash flutter means they really do not like the question at all. 
women blink more than men, but when a man blinks at a woman, he always appreciates a wink back. What's another word for flirting? Hazelkoo. It's words you never heard. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Our bodies were created to function properly, and all we need is available to us to live a healthy, long life. We have been fearfully and wonderfully made and equipped with what we need to live life to the fullest. According to Medical News Today, the body ensures that a constant level of energy is available to all of its cells through a complex system that includes regulating how much food we eat, how much of the digestive food we absorb, how much of the digestive food we store away, and how much of our energy store we release for use. If this balance is upset, individuals can gain weight and even develop type 2 diabetes. But it really is simple to maintain optimal health. Exercise at least an hour a day, keep portion sizes small, and consume nutritious, low-calorie foods to live a healthy, long life. I'm Annette Hammond. Well, you're back to In Your Head with Lee Richardson, and our guest today is Kathy Murray, and we've been talking about why it's so emotional to move. And when you think about it, your home really is your core. It represents your well-being. And there's a lot of different types of moves, and sometimes one family member may be super excited and the rest may be dreading it. Um, have you experienced any of those, Kathy? Oh, yeah, absolutely noticed that. Um you notice that a lot in the um, corporate relocations uh, where, you know, a family member is the reason that someone's always moving, whether it be the husband or the wife. And um, I have some very, very talented executives that, um, you know, get transferred and move within companies, outside of companies all the time, and they're on a formal relocation package. And, you know, that's, uh, there's often there's some spouses that are let's we'll do it again and then the kids are like that but often there there are people very reluctant and but you know yeah you're right you see it a lot so in those situations does that make your job harder because it, I mean it sounds like maybe you're trying to serve different audiences yeah it really does you have to really know in whenever there's a couple or Sometimes it's not even right in the immediate family member who's the actual decision maker. And you may have somebody, um, this happens often too when a parent is buying um, something for a kid. Uh, you know, maybe they're going to rent it back or whatever. They're buying it while they're in school, whatever that case is. But you also see it with corporate and there's undermining going on. You're maybe dealing with all the parties, but you're seeing what's happening, you know. I had an example where somebody was was trying to sell a house with a lease tenant in there that I literally showed the house and the guy was just sitting there telling them what was wrong with it. And it was because he didn't want to move. So we see it in the corporate relocation where, um, you know, they're at odds. They're totally at odds. You know, somebody like, let me just give you an anecdote of uh, one of my clients, the wife was calling him CF0 with the son, you know, and he was a CFO and 
they did. They were very much on two different pages, and they it, they took them forever to relocate because of that. You know, so there's some extreme examples. Most of the time, it goes pretty well, and um, you don't really get into a big emotional thing. Often, they think they're not even going to be there a long time. So I think that helps them get through and make a decision. They just think, well, it's good for now, and you know. People can always move. If they made a mistake, but they're going to stay in the neighborhood, look, it's not permanent. It's, uh, you know, you can move again. It's a pain, but it's an option. Well, you're right. It's, you know, you can move whenever you decide that, that you want to. But moving is right. so stressful. I was surprised yeah. to read that moving is one of the top five stressors. It's right next to divorce. Oh, wow. And some people, many people have both. You know, they're getting divorced, and now they're going to move, and they're going to have, you know, um, all the anxiety that comes with uh, custodial arrangements, and the kids are upset, you know. So many times it looks good to me as a realtor. It looks better than it probably is, but I've seen both, too. Yeah, I, I believe it. Well, I think that when you get that that fear factor involved, that certainly mm-hmm. takes it to a whole nother level. And yeah. when you think of the emotions, I can I remember the house I grew up in. I remember the first house that I that I owned. Um, right. And there's different memories associated with with all of that. Some are better than others. And I think that when you start to create change. That's change is very difficult for most of us to deal with. Right. And moving right. is one of the biggest changes you'll make in your life. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of good comes out of it. You know, here's, here's um, this is a little unrelated, except, you know, I think in a way it's similar. When people say move too late on a house, they think they have to have this house. There's a multiple bidding war, whatever, and they don't get it. I have people very, very devastated. And it always reveals itself later. And I feel very confident in telling people this. And every agent I've ever spoke to totally has this philosophy. Things work out the way they're supposed to. Even this corporate relocation. It just takes a while and someone has to have an open mind to see what it reveals. You know, and I all I can do as an agent is try to point out these philosophies that may help them get through this next step because, you know, when they are on to new adventure or life, new change, whatever, you know, there will be something that comes into their life then that they never knew, whether it's their own abilities, if, if it's, um, you know, some great neighbor, if it's some, you know, eye-opening thing because they're inspired by the community, whatever it is, it's hard to know. But, it always happens. If you, again, I think if you focus on what you have and then what you don't, and the brick and mortar of leaving a house behind is just that those memories come with you. They do. And, you know, I'm going to pull out an AA term, pulling a geographic. And that's okay. what when they, when someone is seeking external changes to mm-hmm. internal problems. And I think that sometimes I think, you know, we can think, well, wow, if I, if I just get a bigger house, It'll be so much easier with these four kids. Um, Right, right. And maybe that bigger house isn't going to make any difference at all. And that's the psychology piece. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's where the emotions really play into. Right. And, you know, 
I'm thinking about one of my clients who um, is wealthy. Um, the husband um, has a really big job, and um, he travels all the time for work. He's always gone. They have three little kids. She's basically stay-at-home mom, um, and uh, she wanted to move because, you know, she realized the floor plan wasn't working. The kids are close in age. They were getting older. And, you know, I don't know. Her husband says something to him, and she says the funniest thing. She goes, well, what do you care? You just need to know what driveway to turn into and where the closet is. You'll be fine. <laughs> they were basically sticking around the same neighborhood. But, you know, she wanted a different floor plan because of just what you described. You know, kids getting older and different needs, and it was becoming apparent they were no longer little kids, you know. Well, you know, you're right. As we go through different stages of life, we approach a move differently. I mean, I'm sure you work with some kids that graduate from college. And yeah, sure. what I'm curious as to what their moving criteria is. Is it hip? Is it in the hip part of town? Um, how close to, to it? To a park? Well, it usually starts with affordability. And uh-huh. um, usually a question that they'll say is, hey, uh, I might want to lease. And then, you know, and then, you know, basically I'm putting them in touch with lenders to see what they even would qualify for, explaining the process. If that's really what you're describing there is more or less a first-time buyer, or we may end up helping them with a lease. But they usually don't really have any ideas. I mean, I would say that a lot of times it is more about the way it looks or, um, you know, I, I have to have granite or, courts, I have to have stainless, I have to be in a good part of town, I want to walk to whatever, it's often urban, uh, you know, an urban type setting. Um, they want to be around kids their own age, basically. People their right. own age, I guess they're really not kids, but, um, you know, young, they, a lot of them. But, you know, I have had some, I had an SMU student that said, I want a yard and I want dogs. And he was 19. Wow. And his dad and mom were buying this, and he was going to be paying them rent afterwards. And, you know, that was unusual, actually. You know, but, so but just, he still lived that's in that house. Now thing. And then they, they graduate from college, they get a job, and maybe a few years yeah. later they get married. And then right. that changes, I guess, how they look at where they're living. Yeah, yeah, if they think that far down the line. Usually when I present some kind of option like that, many, many younger people, because they're just not there. They want to enjoy the moment more. They, they're like, oh, I don't care. Or, I'm only going to be here a year or two. Or, I want to figure it out. Or, you know, they may not even know if their job is, if they're going to be transient and that. So a lot of times they opt for younger. Or if there is somebody else involved, um, like an parent is going to be an investor in that property and, you know, they're either buying it for them or they're paying them back or whatever, then, you know, there may be a more serious look at, you know, what typically will have its best return in a couple of years, you know, if they go to resell or if they're going to hang on and rent it. Do you see a trend in that area? Are they are they reselling more? Are they hanging on to it more? Or is there is there a trend? You know, that's all market-driven. Um, I, I have seen both. You know, if a parent doesn't mind being a landlord, they may very well hang on to it. It is just another investment instrument in your portfolio. You know, it's my opinion that, you know, some of the financial advisors, they're very comfortable with the stock and the money market 
kind of advice, but usually they're not delving into real estate. You know, they're not looking at that whole picture. Um, so, you know, I've seen both. I, and, you know, if it is a parent, you know, I think a lot of times they are taking advice from that kind of person. So, you know, it just depends what they're getting or if their CPA may be telling them something. You know, I've seen both. I mean, real estate, if you hang on to it the long term, it's generally increasing. And there are tax write-offs associated, but I, kind of the opposite of a CPA, but um, your CPA, someone's CPA can advise them on the tax benefits when you're a landlord. You know, there, there's different things. Some go up, some go down. And I can't speak for the whole country because a lot of times it's city-driven as far as taxes and et cetera. But, um, yeah. Well, you know, and it's it's a different world out there now. There's so many people buying and flipping houses. And, I mean, there's TV shows. How many TV shows are there out there about people buying and flipping houses? Is that the thing you're in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it hasn't. um, Again, I can only speak to, say, the DFW Metroplex, but. You know, there's been a little less of that um, in the last year or so because the prices have been rapidly rising, um, or not rapidly. They've been just a few percentages the last couple of years, but it's been on a, an upward trajectory. And um, those the investors that get into that, that flip, a lot of times they're on hard money loans with exorbitant fees attached to that money. And they really have to get the work done, and they have to have it sold in six or eight months. Just watching TV is one very small part of the equation. I totally agree that HGTV and the shows that surround that have a major influence on the culture, but it is not showing the whole story. And I've seen people inexperienced get into flipping and get stuck. Like right now, we have a, a bit of a... You know, uh, who knows what's happening market, but I'm sure it's slow for now in the pandemic and who owes what, you know. And so there's a lot to it. There's a lot to real estate that isn't apparent to the naked eye, especially if you're watching TV, which I love those shows, too, often. But um, it sets a very high bar for what people want in a house, you know, as far as uh, design. There's a more... A lot of people want the same things, what they see in the kitchen and bath magazines, at the grocery store, what they're watching on HGTV, pretty much white is in, stainless is in, quartz is in, hardwoods or hard flooring is in. There's some real nice alternatives to that these days, too. But most people want that. They want open, kind of open space. That's what I've noticed seems consistent throughout the last 15 years anyway. Well, and as long as you can pay for that, I guess it, you know, that's great. Um, yeah. So well, have so you, because like you know, some of us, in, some of us have, not me, but some of us have moved quite a bit throughout their life. And right. some of us haven't, but those that have moved a lot, do you, have you heard the term Goldilocks complex? They're looking for no, just tell me more. the right one. Uh, what is it? Goldilocks complex. I don't know what it is, though. Well, I mean, I think it goes back to the, you know, Goldilocks and the three bears. She's looking right. for just the right one. This bed oh. is too big. This bed is too small. Um, right. So my question is, people that have moved a lot, are they pickier 
are they looking no. for more perfection? No, usually not are, at all. Pardon? Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I, I would say, no, they're not pickier. They usually know um, a house is on a home. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a house is not the home. And they they understand, and they're usually moving often. They they can move on to the next thing if it's not right. Um, it's it's uh, I find that usually people have moved a lot are far less picky. They realize it's a process of elimination. They've been through this many times. They they know what the deal breakers are for them, and um, they usually come to conclusions very very quickly and and know that it's a lot of compromise. There's really no such thing as a hundred percent of what you want, even when you build. Because once you start to get architects involved, they start to point out, you know what, that's not really possible to people. You know, it's not physically possible from a physics angle. So, you know, I that's my take on it. I think that's that's a good input. I mean, I do think that the more decision-making, the, the more decisions you make, the easier it is. Because it's something you're comfortable doing, it has less of an effect on that on that cognitive level. Because if if it's the first time you've ever had to make those types of decisions, it could be harder to make, and they maybe take longer. The response speed is slower because they need a greater level of understanding, more information. Um, so I think you know, just looking at how different situations impact people. Cognitively and emotional, because, you know, I talk about that in my, my, my book, Turn Your Brain On to Get Your Game On. Right. Right. Everything, life experiences impact us and everything impacts us. You know, look at the gut brain connection. The gut, I've heard the gut referred to as a second brain. So, and when you're anxious, a lot of times it does impact the gut. You're yeah, nauseous, or people that get overwhelmed. I mean, we all learn differently, and so how we approach a transaction like buying a house can be very different. Some some are very reactive and fly through it, and some maybe really want to take their time and take one step at a time. And if the market can allow that, it's okay. But if the market's moving so fast and furious that it can't, that puts that person in a difficult situation. Yeah. Well, sometimes some people have to lose several houses before they really understand what you're really saying. And I understand that they have not established a level of trust in you yet necessarily, but the market really speaks for itself. You know, when there's a multiple offer situation and you're a seller, you may very well grab a full price or above cash offer that you don't have to worry for appraisal and things. And, you know, there's been periods where that's, that's, um, that's happened and people really do have to either make, uh, they really have to get themselves in a good position to, to get that and an agent is your first step because we we will hear about something coming on we get them out there and we try to be realistic about what it's going to take to win the bid i had a house once in a very affordable price range very very cute looked like hdtv had been through it and it had oh gosh i can't remember if it was 36 or 52 offers in like two days you know, so, and they all were really similar. So, you know, 
it's the end of the day. It's the seller's decision, and uh, their real estate agent is uh, like I would be counseling mine. This is what you have to weigh. This is what's important. Sometimes personal notes mean a lot to a seller. If they're selling and they're emotional about leaving their house, they want to know that this is not a builder who's going to tear it down, that this is someone that's going to come in and love it. They still will miss their memories there, and they like going to sleep at night knowing that there's someone in there that's going to take care of it and love their home, too. So believe it or not, those letters sometimes really work in addition to good credit scores and you know, good money down and uh, local lenders, a lot of lenders that people are familiar with that know how to get the job done and not some necessarily big bank to originate the loan. It's fine if they service it. You know, you bring up a really good perspective, and that is the people that are that are selling the house and that are leaving yeah. it because they're leaving a lot of emotions there and and particularly I would think if somebody's kids have grown up and they want to downsize you mentioned this earlier and maybe they want a farm or maybe they they want to be downtown but they're leaving to start a new life but they want to know that what they're leaving behind will live on absolutely absolutely it means a lot to people to um, get that kind of letter and the, you know, especially if it's sincere and they can gauge that sincerity and um, yeah, you'd be surprised. You know, if it's an investment home for them, they're usually just bottom line. Uh, but, you know, if, if, it's, uh, if it is something with memories attached and good feelings and they just feel good about it. So it's important to a lot of people. I know when I sold my house, um, I had several offers. And uh, I kind of went with the person who got in their car and drove for eight hours to see it. And um, I, you know, it, she, it was very, it was, it was a solid, you know, full price offer. I had several others, but I really felt like, wow, I mean, she really loved the photos. And so I, I've been the buyer. I've been the seller. I know, you know, I have personal experience in it too. And then whatever I, I can share a lot of my other clients' experiences on both sides of the fence and, you know, offer that out. But it, it definitely, there is a lot of emotions to that, too. Well, so you, you mentioned the letter a couple of times. So some people, I, I haven't sold a house or bought a house in a while, but some people actually will write a letter. Is it a letter of intent? or No, no. Um, this is more of a personal letter saying, oh, you know, they'll find out the name of the sellers, of course, that's available to their agent. And they'll either write an email or they might do a handwritten letter and they mail it to the address um, that they've just seen and just say, we toured your home. We loved it. We see ourselves raising our family there or we see ourselves living there. We, we, we understand how well you've taken care of the house. I mean, they'll go on like that. They're very complimentary to the seller and, um, and about what they love about the house and, I think most of them are very sincere, you know, and um, and I've had sellers, you know, some people leave like their military medals around or something and they'll say, oh, my dad was in the military or, you know, I was served in the military or that they'll try to bond with the seller um, over what they've seen in the home. And so that their offer stands out. 
that's good advice to give. You know, if you go into a home and you're really interested in it, use your observational skills. Look at what's there. How can you relate to the people that are selling that house? How can you connect with them? How can you get yourself to the top of their list? That That is really, really good advice. I have to say, though, all things being equal, if, um, you know, it or close to equal, you know, if somebody else's offer is outstanding, it's cash, it closes in two weeks or it meets some other terms of the sellers, then, you know, they that may be less important driver for them. Okay. Even though they wish well, they could sell it to them. You know, they're just, they, they stand to make a lot more with someone else, possibly. And I guess, you know, the buck stops here. Um, yeah. It's, it's all about the money. It so. can be. But it can also be emotional. Well, and that really, that goes full circle to what we started off talking about. And that's the psychology that's behind people moving. And honestly, when we started talking, I had the psychology of the person that was really looking to buy the house. And that's, we need to consider the psychology of the person selling the house in just a bigger way. Absolutely. We do that as agents. We are, we deal with sellers quite often. And, you know, there's, there's all this other stuff that go with that, our social marketing, our marketing, our range and breadth. And then we're counseling them on what, what to do when they do have multiple offers, what to consider, what terms are important. Sometimes it's not the money. It's the term. Someone may want to stay in the house two months after. You know, we can go on and on, Lee, and I'm happy to talk to anybody who's listening, um, whether they're in the Dallas Metroplex or anywhere, connect them with a good agent, or we'd love to talk to them if they want to sell or buy here. Well, if somebody did want to reach out to you, Kathy, and, and learn more, how could they reach you? Where do they find you? Oh, well, uh, my telephone number is uh, area code 214 809-2244-214-809-2244. Um, we have a, a, I'm on Facebook. It's Kathy.Murray. Uh, that is my Facebook, Kathy.Murray, Kathy with a K, and also KathyMurrayHomes.com and PillagemurrayGroup.com. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for joining me today. It really? was, I learned a lot. And if I am ever really in that transition again, I will look at moving in a totally different way. And I will look at it both from the psychology of what's going on with me and with the psychology of, of what's going on on the other side. Just your basic one-on-one counseling, really, you know, what you said, reflect those, reflect those feelings. If you go in and you feel something, connect with that house, let them know it and be prepared to move quickly. Great advice. Thank you again. I appreciate everybody tuning in today for In Your Head with Lee Richardson.